You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Here we go again, another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're going to be talking with 1800s gunfighter Brock Wingo. At least that's what I feel like uh, a person with that name would be doing, like he's uh, an outlaw, Brock Wingo. I believe there's a guy in the movie, uh, what movie was it? Uh, God dang, I should know this. It's one of my favorite movies. I'm having a brain fart. I'm probably getting early onset dementia. Um, Tombstone is the name of it. And I think there's a bad guy with a part of his name is Wingo. And so, uh, and so anyway, Brock, he's not a gunfighter. He lives in Michigan and he drew a special, uh, I guess it would be like a special regulations lottery hunt in a nature preserve or, or, or a hunting preserve in Southern Michigan. And that's what we talk about today. We talk about how he only could hunt the first seven days of the season. And in this seven day period, he could only hunt four days because of work. So with that said, uh, he talks about e-scouting. He talks about scouting on the fly. He talks about getting information from other people who have, who have hunted, um, who have drawn this hunt before. He talks about bedding areas, wind direction. We get into access routes. I mean, everything that a person needs to know in regards to going into a property pretty much blind because in this in this uh, special regs property, you cannot use trail cameras. And so you got to go back to the old school and you got to do everything with proper woodsmanship and making sure that you're aggressive but not stupid and how you don't want to you know blow deer out of bedding areas and things like this and so it's a really good conversation man on uh how this all played out to uh how this all played out for him and uh and and how how it turned out so um before we get into today's episode i just want to say uh thank you guys very much for continuing to tune in Uh, i honestly truly hope that each and every one of you either fills the freezer or finds that wall hanger or fills their tags and gets out as little or as much as you would like. I hope that you you uh, find time to reconnect with nature and or spend time with family. Uh, it's that time of year. And like I look at it like the next three weeks for me, I'll be going on a late season hunt, but the next three weeks for me, will be grind mode, right? And I know my wife probably isn't going to like when I tell her, hey, man, you know, like, hey, the next three weeks are are busy. You're going to have to do this, right? You're going to have to take care of the family while I'm gone. And uh, uh, it's that time, right? So make sure that you have all of your ducks in a row. Everything's planned out, things like that. And and that's what uh, is coming up. So it's grind time. Uh, I'm, I'm dealing with a shoulder injury right now, which absolutely sucks, man. And so I'm, I'm shooting my bow right now at an absolute bare minimum. I'm doing, uh, like this stretching slash, uh, stretching slash, uh, like band workout routine, uh, twice a day, icing it multiple times throughout the day and just not lifting anymore and only shooting my bow like four arrows at a time. Okay. And so from what the doctor, I haven't done an official MRI yet, but from what the doctor has said and has seen, it seems like I probably have some sort of partial tear in my rotator cuff ligament or tendon or whatever that is up there. And so, um, it's best to just chill because that tendon is inflamed and that gets pinched in between the joint and that's what's causing the pain. And so 
if the tendon was torn, then I would all the way, then I would be losing proper, like certain functionality and I'm not losing certain functionality. It just hurts in certain positions. And so I'm, I'm icing and I'm doing all the, taking the proper steps because, you know, I'm not going to lie. I went to the doctor and I said, I need medication that will help me get through the next three weeks of the hunting season. And then I can go and get an MRI, go to physical therapy, things like that. And that's what, uh, that's what the plan is. So a little help, (laughs) this sounds terrible, but a little help with some painkillers, some anti, uh, inflammatory medication and just manning it up. Uh, I'm going to get through the next three weeks and, uh, and hopefully put some deer down right away. I was looking at the 10 day forecast for, uh, for my South Dakota hunt. And it looks like it's going to be warm, like highs in the seventies, the first three days of the hunt. But then there's going to be a gigantic cold front that's going to produce rain and potentially snow. And then the highs are going to be in the thirties. And I've never, I've, I've hunted in some cold conditions, but not out West. Uh, there was a day where there was a morning in Colorado where I was, uh, it was like 20 degrees in the morning. And there were a couple hunts in South Dakota previous years where it was, you know, 20, 25 degrees. But this particular cold front, it's going to get down into the teens and it's going to be highs in like low 30s if not high 20s and so I've never had to deal with this before so packing uh, the right amount of clothes and the right amount of layers is going to be very important for me so I got to play all that out here in the next uh, couple days as I prepare for this hunt Uh, as far as my gear is concerned I have it all in one little single area I just need to sort it out and get organized uh, before I leave on Sunday so that's what's going on uh, for me Uh, Awesome episode, awesome story here. Uh, Good luck to all of you in the upcoming weeks. And uh, we're going to do commercials here right now. And I'm just going to run through them because I've been talking a lot already. But uh, if you're looking for a saddle, saddle hunting accessories, or a platform to become better educated on how to saddle hunt, uh, go check out tetherednation.com. Tethered's an awesome brand to work with. A lot of hardcore guys uh, using their products, and I, I love to ask them and communicate with them about what I need to do and how I need uh, to refine my setup. Wasparchery.com, if you're looking for, in my opinion, some of the best broadheads on the market. The goal this uh, upcoming week is to put is to put a broadhead through either a whitetail or a mule deer out west. I'm going to start off in the whitetail world and then as uh, if it gets down to crunch time i might move into the river bottoms and try to uh, connect with a whitetail can't kill a mule deer if i'm chasing whitetail though so that's my deal so wasparchery.com i do have a discount code nfc20 for 20 percent off i highly recommend taking a look at their fixed blade and their uh mechanical options vortexoptics.com if you're looking for superior optics that includes binoculars range finders spotting scopes red dots rifle scopes any type of optic they have it and uh, be sure to take uh, take a look at their new triumph hd uh, binocular be sure to take a look at their new youth binocular that they have and take advantage of their vip warranty where if you break it you send it in for send it in they fix it for free and ship it back to you code blue sense this is kind of cool um i'm i've this weekend i moved a um two cameras over top of some mock scrapes that I've created and I put a little orbital gland back on the rope and I've put a little orbital gland on the um on the rope and then also on the uh, some some sticks and twigs that are hanging over these mock scrapes that I've created and I don't have any bucks per se right now on these scrapes but I have a lot of does checking these this scent and scrapes so in these next coming weeks, we all know that as scrapes, you know, as does are in the area, bucks are going to be right behind checking out where they've been or checking them out. And so I'm looking forward to see what what these mock scrapes um, uh, produce. So uh, codebluesense.com, if you're looking for 
uh, any type of scent elimination product, uh, whether that's laundry detergent or sprays or um, even synthetic scents, right? They have synthetic deer urine, real deer urine, and of course the the mock scrape kits as well. So go check out codebluescents.com, discount code NFC20 for 20% off. The Woodman's Pal is going to be in my pack. Uh, Probably not on my Western hunt because uh, weight is very critical here, but uh, definitely in my whitetail pack and in my truck as I, you know, drive around the countryside looking for whitetails. Awesome habitat tool, chop trees down, chop or, you know, chop trees, branches down, clear vines, all that stuff. So uh, woodmanspal.com and uh, Huntworth, uh, I am... I'm going to be doing a hunting gear podcast this week as well. So be sure to go where I, I talk about Huntworth. I talk about Code Blue. I talk about some of the other products that are new to me this year that I've used. And um, uh, it's going to be a short episode, but I'm going to review, do a couple reviews of some products. Uh, that, that includes Huntworth. So if you're looking for really high quality uh, camouflage hunting equipment, go check out Huntworth gear.com and then last but not least new company that i started it's gonna it's gonna turn into a lifestyle brand with a lot of t-shirts and hats and hoodies and uh, things like that i am going to uh, i will be how do i put this i will be i've already launched it fullsneakgear.com go check it out I, i have stocking cap i have the official nine finger chronicles hat and then i also have a variety of t-shirts right now and i'm dude this is no joke check this out i am working with a company out of the czech republic right now that makes death metal death metal t-shirts for bands like death metal bands and so I thought it would be cool to see what they could do in putting some artwork together for some kind of death metal whitetail shirt. And so I'll keep you guys posted and, uh, and I'll eventually launch it on fullsneakgear.com. Go check that out. And uh, that's it, man. Let's, uh, let's uh, get back into this episode with Brock Wingo. Three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. <laughs> that sounded so stupid. Anyway, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles uh, podcast. My name's Dan. I'm your host. And today we are joined by Brock Wingo from Michigan, dude. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Brock Wingo. Uh, you sound, your name sounds like a Western gunfighter from way back in the 1800s. <laughs> I've never heard that one. That's a badass name, dude. I'm not joking. Like, you're the best. You're like the most wanted criminal who robs trains and stagecoaches from the (laughs) 1800s. I've never heard that one. Most people (laughs) just tell me. Most people just say, oh, like Brock Lesnar. Oh, okay. All right. I was thinking that guy from uh, Tombstone, Wingo, he's he's one of the bad guys. I think think it's Wingo or Ringo. Yeah, Ringo. Okay. Mm -hmm. Anyway uh dude how you been i'm all right yeah yeah all right so i get for the people who are watching this on youtube you can see i have a bandage that is running across my chest and it's what it's doing is it's holding ice on my shoulder so i'm i'm uh i'm holding a uh i'm i'm trying to hold my bow back i'm trying to shoot my bow I sh- i'm shooting my bow now the bare minimum and it is it's i'm in a lot of pain and i i i i've stopped working out because it hurts i mean it hurts pretty much everything i do whether it's a back exercise or anything that uses my shoulder it flares up and then it it, for the next 24 hours it's painful and now it's starting to hurt all the time and uh we're we're coming up on me leaving for south dakota for like eight days and so i am i have a little bit of a dilemma here i'm i'm thinking i need to go to a doctor and basically get some pain pills to just mask the pain long enough for me to finish this this hunt and uh, so what would what would brock wingo do in this scenario would you 
Would would you get a crossbow? Would you uh, go to a doctor? Like not hunt? Like what what would you do? Um. Well, I mean, I'd brought. See, my fiance has a crossbow. That's what she uses when I take her out to hunt. Yeah. But I just like. I just don't want to use one, and I'd probably do the same thing you're doing and just try to man it out. Man it out, yeah. Through it. Exactly. I think that's what I'm I'm going to do is I'm going to man it out for uh, for at least this hunting season, and then as soon as it's over, go in, get an MRI. What it would be awesome is, is if I could go kill a mule deer in South Dakota, come home, kill my buck before the rut starts, and then just chill. Until yeah. I get to uh, until I get to the late season, which I don't know, man. I because I want to go to a different state and hunt uh, hunt the rut too, like go to Oklahoma or, or Missouri or something like that. But I don't know, man. Like it sucks. Like I've never had I've never had to experience this before in my life where some kind of pain. Like I've had knee pain ever since I've had my knee surgeries, but. I've never experienced something that is preventing me from drawing my bow back. And maybe, you know, I could probably turn the poundage down and it's just like, I can draw it back. I can get it drawn back. But if it's anything longer than like 10 seconds, me holding it for 10 seconds, forget about it. I got to come down off of it. So hopefully if it happens, it happens quick. Um, I was just thinking, um, have you ever seen when Remy Warren, you know who that is? Oh, he used his mouth? Yeah. Yeah. You could always, should always try that if it gets too bad. But see, the, this shoulder is my bow shoulder. So uh, my my draw shoulder is fine. It's the, the stabilizer shoulder, you know, that I hold the bow with. That's mm-hmm. the one that hurts. So I would have to get a right-handed bow and use my mouth. Dude, I would I would just be Texas heart-shooting deer. every you know every attempt so yeah i gotta i'm gonna i think i'm gonna go to the doctor and uh get it figured out um try to get some pain pills today i know there's probably some guys listening to this who are actual medical professionals so if you are a medical professional dm me what you would do you know through instagram and whatnot but uh hey what do you do for a living man i work i've I've been waiting for you to ask me this. I've been thinking about it for weeks now. I work for my fiance's dad at a porta potty company. That's unique. That's unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, so you you could just say business is shit. Yeah. <laughs> hey, dude. I tell you what, man. That's uh, that's awesome because everywhere I look, there's a porta potty. Right. Uh, baseball mm-hmm. fields. Uh, construction sites. Like downtown farmers markets and so um i man and everybody uses them so it's like mm-hmm. uh i don't know dude that's that's cool what do you so do you go and put them out you clean them and you, and then you also remove them and take them to the next place mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah. mondays and fridays fridays we deliver like weekend parties and stuff yep. monday go and pick all those up yep and then Tuesday through Thursday, I just have like parks and construction site cleaning routes that I do. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Uh, hey, that's, I mean, that's a cool job, man. It's unique. At least it's, at least it's just like, so what do you do for a living? Uh, I sit in a cubicle and I type on a computer. That shit's boring. I've been there, but at, at least your job, you're outside, uh, you're moving around a lot. And how, how much actually, how much does a porta potty weigh? Um, we have some older ones that are about 200 pounds, but yeah. the newer style ones are like made cheap and light. So they're only about like 150. They're yeah. pretty easy to move on. That's what I, that's what I would think. Like, so it just takes one guy to unload them off a trailer. Yeah. Other than you've ever seen those huge handicap. Oh yeah. I've seen those. Yeah. yeah. When we deliver those, um, either my fiance or my future brother-in-law, he also works here. One of them has, we have to go together to do the big handicap ones. Yeah. So is there, you know, you know how for vehicles you can get the most basic model type and then you can get like the fully loaded luxury type model. Mm-hmm. Is there a porta potty out there that is just like 
dare I say, luxurious? Yes. There are. Okay. Like what's what's inside a very luxurious porta potty? So we have three uh, luxury restroom trailers. It's just kind of like about the size of a camper. Okay. Got three stalls that have like actual flushing toilets and sinks and a urinal in it. And it has a radio with Bluetooth built into it and air conditioning and heat. So they're pretty badass. Dude, I wish I had one of those that I could pull to like South Dakota with me and take a shower and, (laughs) you know, sit, you know, instead of having to hover over some hole in the, in the wilderness, I can just head over to, to what, who, who gets those like fancy weddings? Yeah, usually like rich people that are putting a lot of money into weddings or mm-hmm. into their graduation parties. I gotcha. Hey, that's cool, man. Very unique mm-hmm. job. Um, but here's here's what we're talking about today. You and it was your brother-in-law, right? You and your yep. brother-in-law, uh, you guys drew a wildlife preserve tag in uh, Michigan there. Talk to us a little bit about how you had like how you had to apply for these tags and what like how big the acreage is and and what are the draw odds if you knew those hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so um, the draw odds, it's completely random, so there's no point system. Yeah. And I personally know people who, so there's a opening week, which is October 1st here in Michigan, so the first week of season, there's a hunt in the refuge. And then at the end of October, in like the pre-rut rut, it's f- usually a five-day hunt. There's that one. And then there's one around the 15th of November for three days, which is a gun season hunt. And then I don't know the exact dates, but there's three different seasons in December. There's like a late doe season out there which I also have a tag for. And then there's a muzzleloader season one and just a late archery one. But I know like a lot of people that I've met have been applying for it like their entire lives. And they're like 40, 50 years old and never been drawn. Yeah. So my brother-in-law, brother-in-law and I applied this year as a group for our first year and just so happened to draw the opening week one. So we thought that was pretty sick. Yeah. Man, that's crazy uh, how those lotteries work. I know um, I was talking to a guy, I think it was it was either Montana or New Mexico. It might have been New Mexico. This, this I think he was like 21-year-old guy. He drew uh, this very coveted elk tag two years in a row. And there's other guys that I've talked to who tried to hunt the same unit who have been applying for like 15 years and have never drawn. And this this guy goes back to back years. And so that's absolutely that's absolutely bananas how how those lotteries uh, work, especially for the guys who have been man just waiting and waiting and waiting. And so it's less of a, like a preference point deal, and it's more of just a a full blown random lottery. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Do you know how many how many actual tags are given out throughout the course of a year for this uh, for this property? I think it's about don't quote me on this because I haven't read it since like August when we applied. But um, I know the opening week season we just did only gives out fifty tags. Okay, and. The rut one, I think, is somewhere around 75 or 80. And then the gun season one is very low. It's like 15 tags. Okay. And the the late doe one is just unlimited just because there's does like crazy in there. Yeah. So give those out. And And so 
do you have to shoot a do you have to shoot like a doe first is there any restrictions like that you have to shoot a doe first or you have to uh you can shoot whatever you want doe or buck yeah you can apply for just a doe for any of the seasons i listed or you can apply for the any deer so that you can shoot a doe or a buck mm -hmm. which that's what grew. how many uh tags do you actually get in that course that you've in that period of time that you've been drawn for so in the refuge you don't get you don't draw like a special tag for it mm -hmm. you just draw like an access permit to be able to go in there for that week and you have to use one of your regular michigan buck tags yep so yeah that's all it is, is you just get a you just get one access permit okay uh and then does that also count as your Michigan wide uh, tag as well? Or is this in addition to any tags that you could get through the state? Yeah, that takes up one of your um, Michigan wide okay. tags. So All right. I, if I would have shot one in there, I'd only have one buck tag for the rest of the year. Gotcha. There are some places out there where you can get additional, like an additional tag like if you draw this tag it doesn't count towards your statewide tag and so i that's pretty like for the people who get those types of uh tags that's pretty cool because they can do extra hunting you know what i mean so um so how how many acres is this refuge um it's broken up into a couple chunks on onyx but i think if i remember correctly it was around four thousand acres okay. was the federal side and the state side is roughly the same i think it's like four maybe 4500 okay and so 50 for, let's let's just say 4500 it's all encompassing all of this property and uh there's 50 early season tags that you that are distributed how and it, that's an early season so what are the dates that you could hunt i hunted october 1st through the 7th okay so it's only a seven-day window yeah okay seven day window all right so when did you find out that you got access to this uh or you drew this tag um it was mid-august i got a text from the dnr website saying to check your results and i looked at it and i was like oh it's probably going to be a no and so i was on my app scrolling through and i saw a bear no elk no and i got down it said the michigan reserved hunt and it said successful and i was like no way and so <laughs> i was stoked because like yeah. i said it was our first year we didn't even think we were gonna draw yeah all right so had you guys ever been in there before that to do any scouting or shed hunting anything like nope. that no throughout the year Throughout the year, the only thing that you can do in there is go on the hiking and bike trails, and then there's like a like a viewing road where you can drive cars through it. Mm -hmm. And they only set aside two weekends in September to be able to leave those trails and scout it. Okay. But um, my brother-in-law did have a, a relative who early – he hunts the late doe season almost every year. Yeah. So – he was able to give us a little bit of intel that helped us out. Okay. And so talk to us a little bit about what this, what this 45 acre, uh, hundred acres encompasses. Like talk to us about the terrain. Uh, if there's any ag involved in it, you know, is there, does the state put food plots in there for the wildlife? Uh, break it down for us. So it's mostly river bottom type stuff but it's completely flat so you'll just be walking on flat ground and your elevation will go down maybe like six inches and mm -hmm. it'll go from hard oak and maple hardwoods down to just marsh it's yeah. just like cat and tall marsh grass but i'd say most of it is river bottom and then probably about another third of it is crp that they use to farm but five years ago they stopped farming, so now it's just all CRP. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so there's not much ag in the area. Surrounding it, there's a lot, but um, not in it. No, there's okay. none in it. Okay. All right. So, 
as you start to, you know, once once you found out that you've uh, that you drew this tag, what steps did you take to prepare for hunting that piece of property? Um, I basically just made sure all my mobile hunting gear was in order and my brother-in-law, he was going to be gone at his friend's wedding. One of the scouting weekends in September and I had to work the other weekend. So he scouted at the first weekend and I scouted at the second weekend and I, went and scouted a chunk of private I have permission at first just because I wanted to see if bucks were like starting to rub heavy at all or starting to really make scrapes heavy at all and I had scouted that chunk of private and found a whole mess of rubs so I was going in there looking for a spot that looked like bedding Mm -hmm. and trying to find rub lines was how I was going about it and did you guys well, did you guys throw any trail cameras out? No, you're not allowed to run oh. trail cameras. Okay, so no trail cameras. So you had to do it the old-fashioned way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was really, really, really fun. I believe it, man. You know, I, I always think about that. I've had this conversation with several people where it's like, you know, let's say they took away, they took away trail cameras and you are no longer allowed to use trail cameras in any public, private, anything like that. I think the dynamic of hunting would change as a whole, but also like, I think my, my, I, I probably would have tagged out this year already. It, or I, it, I probably would have taken a shot at a deer if I didn't know that there were bigger deer running around. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. I don't know. I think that that's kind of cool. What, in your opinion, what makes that fun? Not having to use trail cameras. Um, It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure, you got this, Adidas. Just because like... Like, I'll use last night when I was hunting, for example. I was hunting that same chunk of private I was talking about. Mm -hmm. And I saw this one buck I've had on camera a few times. He's probably like a 115-ish inch nine point, which for me is pretty big because I haven't shot very many big bucks yet. Yep. And he's a two-year-old that's pretty good for my area. And I saw him last night. But if I didn't know that there's three other bucks that were mature and huge in the area for my trail cameras, yeah, I would have gotten a lot more excited to see that buck last night than I did. Yeah, yeah that makes that's a good point. That's a good point. All right, so you what did that that connection tell you? Um, was you say it was your brother-in-law's friend who had experience in there? What kind of advice or intel did he share with you guys? Um. He just sent us a couple Onyx pins of where he hunted in December, and there's a couple spots where he said that he hunted saw more bucks than does. So we checked those places out, but it was a little bit helpful, but not entirely just because December is a whole lot different than the right. first week of October. There's acorns dropping everywhere, and there's a lot more cover. So yeah. it was helpful, but the spots that we went to that he sent the pins for weren't like hot. Gotcha. And when, uh, remind us again, when you're, you first step foot on that property? It was September 24th okay. was the day. Today. Okay. And that's when you were look, that's when you found that bedding area. And then that's when you found the rub line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what was your access like into some of these places? Um, it's different in a couple spots, but for the most part, there's just gates right up next to main roads that have parking areas. Mm-hmm. And then the gate is uh access road for the DNR to use when they're doing work in there and stuff. But going, it's just pretty easy since it's so flat. You just walk down those roads as far back as you want. There's a couple spots. There's one spot when I scouted we walked like a mile and a half back in a straight line and found a pretty decent buck, but access was pretty easy. 
yeah, access was easy. Um, all right. And then talk to us a little bit about what your game plan was. So, um, as far as your access routes, you know, did you have a backup plan if that particular betting area and rub line didn't work out? Walk us through what your what your goal was before you started uh, before you started hunting there. Okay, so going into the se- going into the few days leading up to the season, I was thinking about the one rub line I found that was really good, and thinking about how I was going to approach it. So my plan was the first night I was going to go out and just try to do an observation sit yep. over. In the marsh, there was this one water hole that was probably like 12 feet wide that had a whole bunch of deer tracks in it. And I could tell that they were just hitting that before they crossed over into the private to go eat in the ag. So my plan was just to sit like 50 yards away from that water hole and see if I couldn't get eyes on a buck and see where he was coming from. And then if I didn't see anything or if I blew it out, I was going to go to a spot where when we were scouting, we got eyes on a really big buck, which really big for me is like 125, but Mm. we got eyes on him and he was really far back. So that was my backup plan. Well, driving past that spot on opening day, there was like six vehicles at the spot for my backup plan. Oh boy. Um, I had to come up with another backup plan while I was sitting and it was just to I couldn't think of any other spots that looked promising enough to set up and sit on. So my plan C was just to still hunt and try to walk and find sign and then creep into the woods and see if I couldn't shoot something. Okay. So you said you, you, was it while you were scouting, you kicked up a good buck? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So that let you know that there was something in there that, you know, that was worth shooting and that you should yeah. you should put some sort of time into that area right yeah okay all right and so as as you start messing you know you, as you start messing around in, in with with this hunt what you know what did you see while you were actually hunting so the very first night um my fiance and I were going to mobile hunt with a really light hang-on I have that I got from a garage sale and then another heavier one that I had. Mm -hmm. And we got in there, and it was just a train wreck. We walked in, and there was only two other vehicles at the parking spot, and I was like, oh, we'll be fine. The spot we're going to is way back there. Sure enough, I get to, like, 80 yards away from the spot, and there's a dude up in a saddle. And I'm like, oh, come on. So... I just kind of skirted around him and wasn't quite to where I wanted to be yet. So went past him and went probably a hundred yards away so that I could still have that water hole spot in my sight, but I wouldn't be hunting right on top of the guy. Yeah. And so that night was a train wreck. We saw that dude and then setting up, I had one spot on my stand that I hadn't, taped to make it quiet and i banged the hook for the strap off of that so loud so many times (laughs) i was like i was hanging it and then i just hear it's like someone hit a gong out in the woods it's like this metallic echo and i'm like come on man i gotta see shit tonight i know dude i'll tell you this man i've done that so many times uh in the last 20 years where it's like for me, it was this. I put all of my sticks up, I'm dead quiet, right? I'm get, I'm pulling my my stand up, get it to the tree, and I, as I'm trying to, as I'm trying to wrap around the tree, it slips and it smashes the base of the stand. It's just like a boom throughout the <laughs> yeah. entire timber. I was like, all all of a sudden, like the wind stopped and all the noise in the woods stopped just so that this noise could be amplified. And, uh, of course, you know, on, on, on uh, days like that, when you're, it's like, dude, I'm going into a bedding area. I'm jacked up. It's going to be awesome. And then you do something like that and you're just like wanting to shoot yourself right out of the tree. Oh yeah. I was just thinking about unhooking that lineman rope and falling backwards. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I ain't seeing shit tonight. Uh, was your uh, your fiance? Uh, she she had did she get a tag too, or she just was coming with you? No, you can bring one person with you. So I started YouTube this year, so she was going to come film for me. Okay, all right, that's cool. Um, and so as you um, you had a, a first day train wreck, basically was it, was this a morning hunt or was this an evening hunt? It was an evening hunt. It, so evening hunt. we make all that noise, and I timed myself because of making the noise. I started working really slow, mm-hmm. and it took me like an hour to set up. And by the time I got everything set up, there was only like probably an hour, maybe an hour 15 till legal shooting light was over. Yeah. And so I'm expecting to not see anything. And then we go and we've only got seven minutes till legal shooting lights over. And all I've seen is a five point And he was like 300 yards way out in the marsh. So he was not even, even in the question of trying to shoot if I got desperate. So yeah, we had, just a few minutes left and then we see two does come in they come in at like 15 yards and my fiance is blonde and so she was turning her head to see them and they caught the movement because her hair was so light and then they took off running and i watched them go all the way back to a big island of mature trees that's out in the marsh that i figured they were betting at they went all the way back there and i was like well great made all this noise setting up and then we just spooked the first deer we saw There's nothing that's going to come by. And then, like, before I can even get that thought out of my head, they're walking back already. And they come right back through at, like, 15 yards on the exact same trail and don't even bat an eye the second time. And they just move through. And as soon as they move through, I see a huge body coming out of the marsh. And I'm like, that's either a huge doe or that's a buck. And it was... When we saw that one, there's now only three minutes left of legal shooting light. And because of the marsh, I couldn't see his antlers at first, but then he put his head down into that water hole. So he had a black background and he was huge, yeah, like really big, non-typical buck. And I'm like, oh shit, this is, this is starting to get real. Yeah. And so that night, because of the stand situation, the one that was loud also ended up like breaking when I set it up one of the teeth that hook that like latches it into the tree bent up so every time I tried to step in it it was twisting and wanting to make me fall out of the tree so I used my lineman belt and wrapped it around the tree and stood at the top of my sticks and leaned off of them kind of like a saddle yeah but because I saw the spot I thought the deer were going to come to and then walk straight to the tree I wanted to set up at the sticks were on the front side of the tree So I'm facing directly away from where I expected everything to come through. And I knew it was probably going to come to bite me in the ass. And so because it's not a saddle, I can only twist like a little bit to try Mm -hmm. to shoot behind. But I can't pull it off if it's straight behind me. And he's about to come down a trail that goes in front of me at like five or five to ten yards it would be a perfect quartering away shot. He's coming down that trail. And so I have my bow in my hand. And I'm ready for him to come down there. And he just makes a hard 90 and takes the same trail the does took behind us. And I just couldn't get a shot at him. He's at like, I think I ranged the trail afterwards at like 18 yards. It would have been a chip shot. But but because you were out of position due to a faulty stand, you mm-hmm. you, you didn't get the shot. Nope. Dude. That sucks, man. Uh and was the was the stand making noise, a lot of noise, or was it just unbalanced? It was because one of the teeth was bent to for it to bite into the tree, it just wouldn't sit. I couldn't get the strap to hold it tight enough to where it wouldn't twist every time and wanna like dump you sideways out of the tree. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that sucks, man. Um so, but, but the good news is, is that you located a group of deer, one of them, an obvious shooter, right? Yeah. Okay. And best guess, I mean, what, what did you think that this big, this big deer that walked by you was as far as age or, or antler size? 
though he was a weird non-typical it looked like he'd probably been injured mm-hmm. and that night because it was getting so dark i could only see big side clearly i didn't know he was a non-typical yet but if he had both sides clean he'd probably be like in the 130 range okay okay but i ended up seeing him again and learned that his other side he only had like three points on the other side it was like a double main beam with a brow tine and that was it so he probably he probably wouldn't have scored much over like 115 but his frame was huge from his good that's awesome man uh nonetheless a shooter in your eyes right yeah okay so you located this spot um did you when when you got out of the tree and walked back that night? Did you say to yourself, "Hey, dude, I got to do a gear check and get a, a a better stand"? Uh, actually, no. We just ditched the stands the rest of the week and hunted on the ground. Okay, and you thought that that would have been your best bet? Yeah. Okay. Because I'll explain why. Because the area he was coming from. Unless I walked all the way to that island of mature trees, those were the only live trees I could set a stand in. Okay. All of the next to the trail that he was coming down were dead because they're out in the marsh. So I didn't want to risk putting a stand in a dead tree. So we just ground hunted from then on. Okay. Let me ask you a question about that. Then it is was it drier than normal there? where the, um, the marsh had evaporated or receded to allow you to get closer to that island? Um, I think it was lower this year compared to how it usually is because when I was e-scouting it, I have HuntWise too, and that has leaves off imaging. Mm-hmm. And I was scouting it on HuntWise, almost the entire place was underwater. So I was nervous getting ready to scout it, but then scouted it, and there was no water anywhere but the rivers. So okay, yeah, I'm pretty sure the water levels were low this year. Gotcha. All right, which makes sense, and and gives you an opportunity to get closer to that that island, I guess, if you need if you needed to, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So you ditched the stands. What did the next couple days look like for you uh, out there? So the next day to me looked like working and I was a little bit pissed about it because I was about, I was on track to get out early enough to go out there again. Mm-hmm. And I'm at my last place for the day in the work truck and on my back passenger side, I just hear boom and it sends the truck, the ass end of the truck over there flying up in the air and I had my tires explode. So then I got to hang out at the tire shop for the next three hours and <laughs> did not hunt that night. <laughs> So you had a, a both back tires exploded, or just yeah, one? it's a dual. Oh, dually. So okay, so uh, one, on one side, both of them blew up. Yeah. What'd you hit? Nothing. Tires were just getting old and dry rotted, and I'd been telling my boss since July, "Hey, truck needs new tires." And I told my brother-in-law, I was like, "It's gonna be one of these tires is gonna explode before he gets this thing in the shop." And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So, so you had to get it towed because you were gonna be riding on rims. Uh, no, I was close enough to the tire shop to where I limped it, going like 15 miles an I gotcha. hour. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Uh, did you were you pulling porta potties at the time? I had a trailer, but it was empty, okay. and it was our trailer we have like i can i can pick up the trailer and walk it around on my own so it was a small one small one okay i got you all right so three hours in a in a tire shop on day two and Mm -hmm. you know the thing about this that like for me i don't need necessarily need to take any risks like when i go to south dakota i'll be taking risks right i'll be i'll be being way aggressive but in iowa right i mean i know i'm going to have more hunting time outside of just certain windows so i don't i will be aggressive when the time is right but i don't need to be aggressive if i don't want to how did how did this damper the the trip knowing that okay well i went from having 6 days left to having now 5 days left yeah, so because the dude in the saddle was so close, and when that buck left the area that I was in the night before, 
he was heading that way and it was still a little bit light out but barely so i was really hoping that the dude in the saddle didn't see him when he rounded the corner of the woods right there yeah and so that whole day in the tire shop i'm sitting there and i'm like he's gonna get shot tonight there's no way he's not shot by that dude but i guess the guy didn't see him because he was we saw him again a few days later but Yeah, I was just worried the whole time that he was going to get shot by someone else. Okay. All right, so day three comes along of the hunt, and did you guys hunt any mornings at all, or was it just strictly evenings? Um, We only hunted evenings okay. just, because, just because of work. And yeah. the, I tend to try to not hunt mornings in the early season, but if that's the only time I can get out, I do it. Yep. Makes sense. All right, so now we have uh, three days left, the evening hunt of the third day. Were you guys heading back into that same area? Yeah, we were going back in there. We were going to – there was a really big dead um, willow tree that was about five to ten yards away from that water hole I was telling you about. Yeah. And so it set up nice to where it had like a little dome of branches going off the bottom of it into the marsh grass. And I would have a nice window at that water hole. And then a couple small windows at like 15 yards to the trail he came in on. So we were just going to go sit at that the next night and see if he came to the water hole again. Okay. Same access, good wind, everything like that. Mm-hmm. All right. What'd you end up seeing that night? That night um, we bumped a fawn on the way in and then right before last light because mind you opening week it was 85 degrees all week until like thursday so i they weren't getting on their feet very early at all gotcha okay it was starting to get late to when i thought he'd get up and on the other side of this bedding area i could hear a doe blowing at another person that must have been hunting over there And so I was thinking to myself, like, even though she's over there and he might want to come over here, he might not get up just because he hears that. So I was worried about that, and we ended up only seeing that fawn on the way in. Gotcha. All right. So a pretty uneventful night. Um, (laughs) I had a doe blow at me last night, man. And if if the crops were out, I would have shot her because I could have driven my truck back. I didn't feel like you know, dragging a deer a thousand yards, um, because that's what I would have had to do. And so, and so, um, and so there's nothing more defeating than being, and and I know they weren't blowing at you, but like it's prime time and then it's just, you know, and they start blowing and shit and you're just like game over, damn it. Like all that time. And then you get, you get blown at. And so, um, yeah, day four, what, what happened in day four? Day four, um, I told myself, so day four was Wednesday. Yeah, it was Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to hunt cause I had to work so much those two days. Mm-hmm. So going in on Wednesday, I was like, I only have tonight and then the last day to get it done. So tonight I'm getting ultra aggressive i'm walking his trail that he takes to go back to that bedding area and if i bump him i bump him and if i shoot him i shoot him i'll go figure something out for the last day and i was walking in there and i was starting to get close and i'm like okay this is probably where he was coming from and then up ahead of me i could see two big rubs i was like okay nice we're getting into it now and I walk up to those two rubs and next to them is like a six foot, 10 foot wide circle of just packed down marsh grass under this willow. So I could tell something was bedding there and I was pretty sure it was probably him. And then on the other side of it, right on the edge, there's two more big rubs. So I was like, okay, this is probably where he's been bedding, but the wind was different this time. So I knew he'd be in the area, but not in the exact same spot. Yeah. And I was going to back up and set up and try to have him come to me. But back behind me, the marsh grass was like six and seven foot tall. And the only way I'd be able to get a shot from the ground is if I was like in the trail and tried to shoot him frontal coming at me. And I wasn't going to try that. So 
I was like, I'll just walk right past this. There's a nice spot with some grass that's laid down from the wind and stuff. And I'll be able to see about 15 yards and set up and hopefully get a shot at him. And so my fiance and I go over to this tree to sit down at it. And like I said, I'm trying to film hunts this year. So we sit down at this tree and there's no branches on it. And she says, where are you going to put your GoPro? And we weren't talking before. So as soon as she said that, he must have heard us. And he's on the other side of the trail and jumps up. And where he was bedded, he's probably like 15 yards from us at first. And so I'm like, did you have the wind? Like, did yeah, the, was, wind, the wind was in your favor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. All right. So he, he just heard us. He didn't smell us. Didn't see us because of the marsh grass. Mm-hmm. She was able to get down and I hood, I hid behind the tree that was in front of me and he jumped up from there and I saw him. The, they must not like walking through that tall grass. I don't know if it just makes them feel like too concealed or something. They can't see anything because he wasn't like busting out of there, but he kept jumping over the top of it. And then he stood at a spot and it was completely open from me to him. But right in front of him, there's a whole bunch of grass and a couple branches from this one bush. And I'm like, every time there's just every time they stand in a spot to where that's the only spot you can't get a shot at. If he took two more steps in front of him, I'd have a shot at 30 yards. If he would have stopped soon, I'd have a shot at him at 30 yards. And he just stood there looking around for a couple minutes. And I had my bow up and I was not drawn back, but I had tension on the string. I was ready to draw. And he just stood there for a couple minutes looking around and I was hoping he'd just bed down again, but he ended up walking away and then i kept seeing him jump over that marsh grass again about 150 yards and i couldn't see him anymore yeah and that really sucked that night because i knew i blew him out but i didn't spook him too bad so i was hoping later in the night he might come back or a couple days from now he might come back yeah and so we didn't have enough time left now to go and hunt another spot that night so we just went and sat right next to where he was bedded and hoped that he'd come back that night and shoot him on his way back. But yeah, after that, we didn't see anything that night. Yeah, man, that's frustrating, especially when you're that close. Right. And this was the, was this the same non-typical that yeah. you had seen for, okay. So you're on him. You're, yeah. You're on him. And then <laughs> did you blame your girlfriend for, for that? Were you like, you're talking too loud? <laughs> no, no, I didn't because I knew that, I probably should have just sat down right in his bed or something that he wasn't in and stopped sooner or figured something out Yeah. before his bed. But do you think, do you think that you would have had a shot at him if you just didn't go in as far and sat down next to a tree and, and uh, maybe just played it a little less aggressive as far as how far you were going in? Yeah, I think I would have because that was the first day of that um, early season cold front everyone was going crazy about. That day it was like 70 instead of 85. Yeah. So I feel feeling they'd be on their feet a little bit sooner. And if I would have just sat down right next to or right in that bed he had made with the rubs that I saw, yeah, probably got at him. Okay, well, dang. And then the next two days are a wash right? Yeah. The next two days I was just working. Yep. Working. And then, so you had Saturday, Saturday was the last day then, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about what went down on Saturday. So, um, Monday is when my brother-in-law went in and shot his buck. And when he shot his buck, it can't, he was sitting on the ground facing one way and it came in directly behind him so he twisted his upper body like a complete 180 to shoot at him yeah and when he released he his body like relaxed as he released so he pulled it a lot and hit way back in the intestines like from the hip yep and so that night he got a no not that night the next night the tuesday that i didn't see anything he got a dog tracker out and they couldn't find it and the guy said that 
it's probably going to live a few days, but then die in that same area. And he said, on the last day or the couple days from now, I'll just check the river and he'll probably be in there. So Saturday, since it was the last day and we knew we wouldn't be able to shed hunt it to try to find him in the winter, we went to where he shot his buck to try to look for it. And he got there about an hour before I did. And he went down since he had to wait on me, he was going to try to find sign and try to still hunt and see if he could find a buck for me to get on when I got there. And so he had found a spot and was set up near it so that I could meet up with him. And he said, don't take the road in the CRP, take the edge of the Creek to come to me. And I was like, okay. And, um, I get like 60 yards down the Creek from the bridge and I see a log that looks kind of funny. And so I glass it up and I see an antler sticking up and I'm like, there's no way that I just found his deer. And so I looked at it and sure enough, the entry was right in front of the hip like he thought in it. He had taken a video of it before he shot it on just on his phone. Yeah. And I looked at the antlers. It was the exact same deer. So I called him up and he came running down and we got his buck out of the water and weren't able to recover any meat, but we did recover the head so that he could at least get a Euro mount with it. Yeah. And so the plan was to go look for that and then go hopefully set up in the same area that night because I was hoping that buck would be back there again. Well, we found his buck and went to set up on the rubs that he had found that night and didn't see anything there. So we just ended up still hunting this area with a bunch of CRP instead. And we found a bunch of really cool sign. There was like a spot that was about 30 yards wide that was all packed down grass. Where It was almost, it reminded me of like, my uncle has a deer farm. And when you're in the area that the deer bed in, in his pens, it just like stinks. Almost like you're at like a, a zoo or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so just like that, I was like, man, it stinks right here. Like there's deer all the time or something. And so we got up high in glass to try to see if we could see antlers out in the CRP or something, but we didn't see anything. And the rest of that night, we were just finding sign and following it and bumped a couple small bucks doing that. One of them I could have shot if I was paying a little bit more attention, but he wasn't that big anyways, so I wasn't too mad. And then at the very end of the night, there was a buck that was bigger than anything we'd seen all week and I tried to put a stalk on him but there's some does that I knew that were in between him and I and if it got late enough I was going to try to shoot one of those does if I didn't think I could get to him and I ended up not being able to get to him and the does the wind switched like one time I felt it on the back of my head when I was about to shoot the doe and then she winded me and took off and so then I started hauling to try to get to the big one because he was in this patch in between a creek and uh, the tree line. There was just a little patch of really tall grass and there was an apple tree in the middle of it that him and a couple small bucks were eating on. And so on the creek bank, there was a ridge where they had dug it out and took all the dirt that they dug out and put it on the edge of the creek so i was able to put that in between him and i but he ended up smelling me or hearing me or something he took off too yeah and that was it yep that was it wow well inter- like interesting i i mean definitely a cool and this is a this is a place where it seems like this this refuge is way more controlled than the rest of the state so um you had opportunity to hunt some bigger quality bigger antlered more mature whitetail and um if you could have done anything different if you could go back and change time and and do do something different what would you have done different in that in in those seven days um i think i would have bounced around more instead of being stuck on that first buck because i was thinking afterwards i found that good spot and set up on it and had a buck close the first night And then if I would have done that, because the last day we found six different rub lines that all led to buck bedding areas. And 
they're like all different sizes. So I think that if I would have bounced around and found more spots like that, set up on them, that I probably would have had some success doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, a pretty cool experience. I mean, you, your, your brother-in-law found his, uh, his buck you had some pretty close encounters from the sound of it is uh is this a tag that you will continue to apply for every year yeah because the the early season hunt that we applied for we did some research to look at the percentages of how easy it is to draw and it's like a 33 percent okay chance to draw it so we should be able to hunt it every quite a few yeah, absolutely. Well, cool, man. Awesome story. Um, it's too bad that, you know, you didn't you didn't find success as far as filling a tag is concerned. But um, one thing that I've known about going on hunts like that, or I will compare your hunt to going on an out of uh, uh, out of state hunt for like a week or something like that, and that it's sometimes it takes more than a single season to learn. Obviously, uh, a period and uh, you know a piece of property and so the the cool thing is is that now you have all this intel for Mm -hmm. next year and or the the next time you're able to hunt it and so as you continue to hunt it and hunt it more and more and more uh, and draw more tags for it over the course of you know your life you're just gonna you're gonna gain that much knowledge of it and just put yourself in better positions Mm -hmm. yeah Cool, man. Well, hey, Brock, man, I really appreciate you taking time uh, out of your day to hop on and, and share this story with us. And and uh, and good luck the rest of the season up there in Michigan, man. Yep, good luck to you, too. I'll be um, – I'm going on two out-of-state trips this year. I'll be going to Ohio in mid-November, and then I'll be going to Kentucky the first week of December. Nice, nice. So you got – you have a lot of hunting in your, in your uh, future this year. Yep. All right, man. Good luck. Thanks. You too. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Brock. Huge shout out to each and every one of you. Good luck this upcoming season. Be safe. Wear your safety harness. Uh, Be sure to go to iTunes. Leave a five-star review. Uh, You know, if you want to be on the podcast, hit me up via instagram if you want to be on the hunting gear podcast hit me up via instagram and uh, we can go from there man so good vibes in good vibes out and we'll talk to you next time